Welcome to Standout, where entrepreneurs share what they've done to become media darlings. I'm your host, Cheryl Tan, with CherylTanMedia.com. On this show, we talk about the power of publicity and how you can use it to grow your business. This is episode number 38. If you want help connecting with journalists and getting featured in the media, check out the PR Pro Community, an online training academy for entrepreneurs who want to be seen as experts in their field. More details at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash PR Pro. For those of you who want to make that outreach but aren't sure where to start, I've created a guide you can use right away. It's called the Perfect Press Release Template. You can get that in this episode's show notes at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast. This is episode number 38. My next guest has done what I suggest so many do, and that is to create your own platform. Technology has opened up so many avenues that are free or close to free. Jennifer Briney saw the opportunity to make a difference through podcasting. She discusses bills passed by Congress on her podcast, Congressional Dish. It has been nominated for several awards. Her audience is a devoted one, and now her listeners financially support the show. But how do you move a listener from a fan to a financial supporter? Jen talks about that in depth. And as you'll hear, Jen is doing a lot of things right, from producing a show that her audience cares deeply about, to creating relationships with influencers on her very favorite social media platform, to being open to opportunities that lead to incredible exposure. Jennifer, welcome to Stand Out. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about the evolution of your podcast, your award-nominated podcast, Congressional Dish. And I, I just really want to start with why you decided to create this program. Um, I actually started it um, about this time in 2012, so I just hit my four-year anniversary. Wow, congratulations. And when I – oh, thank you. When I started, it was really because I had seen some things on C-SPAN. Specifically, I saw a congressman from Oklahoma slip something into an energy and water bill that protected secret campaign contributions, which struck me as really self-serving and nothing to do with energy and water. And so I went to the internet the next day trying to find out what was on the news about it, see what people were writing about it, and I couldn't find a single thing, not a blog, not an article, mm. nothing. So that got me thinking, how many times does this happen and no one knows about it? And so I just started reading the congressional record more regularly and found out that it happens all the time. So I realized that there was a hole in the society that I knew had to fill where I could look into whatever was in the congressional record and just tell people what I found. And that's really how it started. And then to just kind of have a purpose for the first two years, I tried to read every bill that passed to the House of Representatives, which was impossible. Mm -hmm. So I don't do that anymore, but I'm still, my main mission is just to get people to know what's going on in Congress. Cause it's my, it's my window to the world and there's so many fascinating things happening. So that's, that's how it began and that's why it continues. Well, I know on your show, you talk about everyone focusing on the presidential election, but there's so much that happens in Congress that you're trying to yeah. let people know about. So 2012 and you're watching C-SPAN for fun. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was cleaning. I like see there's three C-SPAN channels and the third one has hearings most of the time. So those are kind of cool because that's where you find out about stuff that you didn't even know was happening. And that's where the congressmen speak more freely and fight with each other. So I've always kind of watched C-SPAN 3 and they were taking a break. So I had moved over to C-SPAN 1 and was watching the boring debate. And that's how I saw what they were putting in the bill. So mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a nerd like that. I just want to know what's going on in our government and find that our media is not telling us. Mm -hmm. So I had to start watching C-SPAN myself, and I've taken it so far now that I read government documents, which makes me the biggest nerd you've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> but it helps your listeners. Back in 2012, yeah. uh, podcasting uh, was not where it is now. It's maybe not mainstream right now, but um, a lot more well-known. So back in 2012, what was your goal? Was it to make money? Was it to make a name? Was it to grow a business? No. For the first year, in fact, my husband and I made a deal that I wasn't going to worry about making money because I always knew that I wanted to tell people these stories that I was finding because I just had this obsession with finding out what was going on in the this country. And um, I knew I wanted to make some kind of career out of that and I really like the idea of doing it with audio so that I could grab clips from Congress and let people hear things for themselves instead of having me say, well, this guy said whatever. Much more powerful when you can hear it for yourself. So that's why I chose audio. So for the first year, I just did it to see if there would be any interest from the public and to see if I enjoyed it. And the answers to both of those questions were yes. And so it was actually in September of 2013 when I said, okay, I'm going to try and make a living from doing this at a time that no one was making money from podcasting. And, um, and so that's when I put up a PayPal link and I put a Bitcoin link and I signed up for the Amazon thing where you enter Amazon through my website and then I get a commission. So I signed up for those three things. And then my husband immediately lost his job and oh. we lost all our income. Oh, no. oh yeah. <laughs> so we actually had to make a pretty big decision. Like, are we actually going to try this? Do we think there's something here? And because of the five people that had already signed up immediately, the minute I put up the PayPal thing, they signed up immediately to contribute to the podcast. And it was only $25 at the time, but I had five people that were willing to contribute financially. My numbers were not that big. And I said, there's something here. And so we moved into um, an empty house that our parents had on a golf course. And we worked on the golf course for nine months. And I waited tables. He worked on the golf course. And then we just wrote out that storm until he got a job. And so here we are three years after that. And now I'm finally making money to where if it happened again, we would be okay. I think mm -hmm. we would be able to pay our rent. But that was, um, it's been quite a roller coaster. And so much of it was just faith. And mm -hmm. it was because there were people that were telling me that they loved this podcast. They wanted to continue that supported if they could. And so I kept going and it's still working. That whole all in back when you had to make that decision. I mean, how scary was that <laughs> where you have to decide, do I leave this and maybe get a real job or do another business or do I invest in those five people who have invested in me and kind of grow that? Yeah. Well, and I was lucky too. I mean, I do have to uh, acknowledge my own privilege where I had a husband that believed in me and the podcast from the very beginning because mm -hmm. he could have very easily said like, okay, freeloader, your time to make money. And he didn't do that. And then also we had an empty house, you know, so it's like, yeah, we had to move back in with our parents, but we had an empty house on the golf course. So we're not exactly like, right. it's not the same struggle where I had to make my rent. I had kids in school. Like it was different for me. I actually could move into the vacation house, um, and make it work there where a lot of other people don't have that advantage. So I did have things going for me that helped me 
make that decision. It wasn't that scary. Well, let's go back to the beginning when you said um, immediately you got response. How did you get when Congressional Dish was when Congressional Dish was brand new? How did you get the word out? How did you get <laughs> listeners? How did you realize that people were interested in what it was you were saying and talking about? You know, it's funny. I've been doing this for four years. And for the first year and a half, there were very few people I was talking to. (laughs) I remember when I went on my first podcast, there was a spike and 63 people downloaded the episode. And I was running around the house like it was like the best thing ever, like so excited. (laughs) So in the beginning, I mean, I remember I would look at my weekly stats and it would be like three people, five people, (laughs) eight people. But it was going in that direction. You know, so it was like every time it went up, I was like, okay, there's more people tuning in. It's getting better. Um, But it really was just a slow roll. I had a Twitter account and I just kind of followed people that I respected and kind of like talked to them. So every once in a while I get a retweet. Um, Every time Joe Rogan retweets me, there's like 400 people that start following me on Twitter. It's amazing. But that Twitter was huge. But really, it was organic. I, I've been saying this the whole time that my listeners are the Congressional Dish marketing team hmm. because they would reach out to other podcasters. They would tell their friends. I told them, if you like this podcast, it's already taking up all of my time. I need you to do that part. And they did. So that's what's the most amazing part to me is that every opportunity that's come to me, it's been through them. I've really done very little. So... That's really the most amazing thing, though, is so you're doing your thing, you're in your living room, you're talking, you're researching, you're sharing your findings, and then they're kind of taking it up for you and sharing it with other people. That's really, really interesting. Because people want to be a part of something they believe in. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm doing that they believe in is actually fact checking. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think a lot of people do that. I also admit my mistakes. And so there's just certain things that you see in the mainstream media or you don't see. I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw someone say, hey, I made a mistake. Um, And they don't. I mean, in so many articles, it would be so easy to be like, here's a bill that I'm talking about in link to the bill. And that's just, you don't ever see that. So for me, I give people so much information on my website because I say, you don't know me, you shouldn't trust me. Here's, you know, the information for you to check it out for yourselves. And I think people appreciate that and it gives them value. And also in their own political conversations, I know that they're using my website to be like, oh, you don't believe me, huh? Well, here's the New York Times article. So giving people the power to have an informed opinion I think it's helping their lives so much that they're willing to help the podcast continue because honestly, if they don't support it, I, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not, you know, going to work for free forever. Um, and people have really caught on to that message and they're contributing whatever they think it's worth to them. And it's amazing the spread. There's some people that are contributing a dollar per episode. There's people that will contribute a dollar here and there, mm-hmm. but then there's a guy that contributes $250 a month and wow. it's all over the place. I had a guy find my Amazon wish list, like my personal wish list. That I told no one even existed and he bought everything on it and just sent it to my house. So oh it's my like goodness. people, I know it's That's the coolest great. thing ever. And people send me books and they send me, I mean, people are just contributing whatever they think they can to the project. I don't even think it's about me. It's about this project that has really captured people's attention and, and it's a really cool thing. It gives me so much hope for our country. We talk about in business, uh, ways to connect with your audience. And you certainly do that with your show. At the end of your shows, you thank people. <laughs> like you, Yeah, you, this you, time for an hour. <laughs> yeah. I, hello and thank you. And then you, you yeah. say their names and um, talk about other ways that you engage your people. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's what 
uh, brings them into your fold and they really feel like they know you because then, you know, you're, when you're saying their name, um, they get an idea of kind of a window into who you are. And then you talk about your Amazon wish list and like, oh, she really wants this. I mean, so what other ways do you engage people you don't know? And they're not your relatives, right? The people no. who are, are, are donating <laughs> and helping you. some of you. my relatives listen, but some of them certainly <laughs> do not. And I prefer it that way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think the end of the show is super important because I do thank everyone that contributed. And I've gotten some complaints where, because like generally the meat of the show is about an hour. And with this one, I've had some behind the scenes problems where the thank yous got backed up. And so I went for a full hour. But I read people's messages. I interact with the things that they're trying to tell me. I allow their messages to be heard. And I think that's a really important part of it. And in that too, like in that that second section, the thank you section, that's where you find out that I have a dog that's been throwing up for four days. And like that's where they find out stuff about me personally where it does make them feel like they know me. So I think that's an important part of my show. And for the people that don't like it, they can just turn it off. So, and I don't, I make that predictable too. I don't like put important things after the thank yous. Like once I start saying thank you, no, it's, you can go, it's fine. Um, so that's important. The other thing that I've been really focusing on is Twitter. Um, I like where I do political stuff. People have a tendency to try and send me three page novels about everything they've thought about everything. And what I like <laughs> about Twitter is where it's limited to 140 characters they have to really consider their words. And so you can have a back and forth about one topic on Twitter in a way that I feel is just more directed, where if you're going on email, it just can go into the weeds so easily. And so I've really developed a community on Twitter. I love Twitter. And I, I have a Facebook page and I'll respond there. But it's really, I've noticed that because of my interactions on Twitter, other people will get pulled in and then they'll find out who I am it's also a really good way to connect with people that already have audiences because you'll notice that celebrities are constantly talking about Twitter where people that don't have an audience, they're really not. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do I get into their conversation? It's like, oh, I go to the, where they are. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I've done. And I've actually made connections with people that I respect in podcasting and in other parts of media. That's like, I have no business talking to these famous people, but I am, you know? Mm -hmm. So Twitter's been... Twitter's been huge. That's my favorite by far. So wait, you will actually, if you're seeing a conversation on your page happening from people who don't, who maybe you follow, but you don't know, you'll put a comment in there and be part of that. I'll jump in if it's talk. relevant. Yeah. So yeah. like, for instance, I saw a debate going back and forth between two comedians that I like, and they were spouting some nonsense and I had done an episode on something that they were talking about. So I just threw it in there. Nice. They responded a couple of times. I don't know if they ever listened to it, but it was like, listen, um, just want to put this out there. What you're saying isn't true. Love you. But like, it's not true. Here's the evidence. <laughs> so it's like, I'll do stuff like that or just have a conversation. Like, um, there's a comedian, Ari Shafir and him and I have gone back and forth for years about the TSA. So he'll say something about like, I hate the TSA and like, I'll jump in there. And he's like, hi, Jen. And like, we go back and forth for a couple of days. And but it's, it's really cool for me to be able to take these conversations that I hear on their podcast and jump in myself. And at first I was just a random, but now they're starting to know like, oh yeah, that chick, she has a podcast. Mm -hmm. And so that's helping too. And when I see them in person, like when I introduced myself to Ari, he was like, oh yeah, were you living in Boston? I was like, yeah, I moved. And so it's just, I'm slowly making friends with the people I want to make friends with. And Twitter, I think is the only way to really do that right yeah. now. Yeah, I agree. It's a great platform. It really, really is. I want to mention this before I go too much 
further into this, and because I don't know if we did, that you're 100% listener supported now. Yes. So maybe way in the beginning, it wasn't that case. Maybe you were putting in tons of money into your podcast because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> but now yeah. with the support of your community, you're 100% listener supported. So how was that when you realized that? And I don't know when it was in this journey that you made this uh, this distinction between kind of a hobbyist and maybe you've got a business, that kind of thing. So when was that and how did that feel? I knew that I was looking for a career on day one. So it was never just a hobby for me. This was either going to be the thing I do or it wasn't. So that was immediate. Um, the question of how to make money, that was a tough one, obviously, because this isn't something that a lot of people are doing. And most people who are making significant money are either celebrities. And so obviously advertisers are running towards them or have built up a show and they're all trying to get ads. And I just one of the things that I'm combating is not only a lack of information about Congress, but it's a corrupt media that these weeks leaks that we're seeing through the DNC right now, we know that they're colluding directly with the campaigns, but it makes sense because when you look at campaign ads, those are candidates who take their money, give it to the media in the form of advertising, oftentimes like hundreds of thousands of dollars for 30 seconds. So these candidates and these companies are the media's customers. And so they have an incentive to not tell stories that upset their paying customers. We're not their paying customers, the people that advertise are. So I didn't want to put myself in that position, even if it would be a mild form of corruption. You know, sometimes you're just self-censoring and you don't even realize you do it. Mm. So I decided for, and I was told by many people that I'm shooting myself in the foot, but for years I was just like, I just want to, don't want to do advertising. I know I could, I know that's the easier route, but I'd rather do this. Now that it's been a few years and I do have the listener supported model, I am so happy that I took the so-called hard route because first of all, the people that are taking advertising, I, I'm going to sound braggy here, but I'm crushing them financially, crushing them. And so I don't think the ads would make that big of a difference. I think it would hurt my show and not make enough money to really matter. And my business model can grow along with the audience size where there's only so many ads you can put into a show. Mm. So I am so happy that I did this. It was definitely harder to build, but it was so worth it. And now one of my goals is to encourage people to do the same thing. If they're producing a podcast that has value, if you're sitting with your mom talking about cats, maybe not listener supported is for you. But if you are doing something that's research intensive and it provides real value or like helping, like you're doing something, helping people learn that they can use in their own businesses. If you're providing something of value, people will return the value even if you're giving your product for free upfront. So it's a very different way of thinking about businesses, but it's working for me and I think other people can do it too. Congratulations. Really, congratulations. And did when was that first time that you said that though? Cause that had to have been hard on the first show where you had to say, all right, we're listener supported. How can you support me? That kind of thing. It wasn't on day yeah. one, was it? No, that was a year in, it okay. was in September of 2013. So I started in 2012. I had my year of not having to worry right. about money, which was awesome. And then I said, okay, so I'm going to try and make a career out of this guys even though there's like 75 of you listening. So if you like this, I need you to tell your friends because I'm not going away. Because for that first year, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. 
So the listeners appreciated. I said, okay, I'm all in. And now we need to figure out how to do this together because I'm making it up as I go, which I still am. You know, every day I'm making up this business as I go. The whole industry is doing that. I mean, you know, you're a part of it. There's no, there's no, no graduate degree yeah. for podcasting. <laughs> yeah. We are all making it up. And so the, that was kind of easy. It got harder about a year in when I was just like, okay, I'm still only making a couple hundred bucks a month. I can't afford any help. I know this has value. The audience is still kind of small. So I'm pushing the same people over and over again. And so that's when it got, it was actually about a year in that I got, just got really frustrated. And by, I mean, I was living in a vacation home, waiting tables full time and doing the podcast full time. So I was just exhausted too. And I really wanted the podcast to be something that would make it so I wouldn't have to wait tables anymore. Sure. And, um, so that frustration, yeah, it was, it was, it took longer to get frustrated, but, um, and it still does because it's a, um, it's inconsistent. Mm -hmm. So at least with advertising, you know, how much your check is, you know, how long it's coming in for with mine. I just did an episode that people got mad at me. They didn't like my opinion on something. And a lot of people canceled their subscriptions. So that's a tough, Sure. You know, that's a tough week when that happens and you still have to get the motivation to read this bill. Um, so those are tough, but then I have weeks like this one where people who found out that that happened went, that's crap. I'm donating. Like those people are crazy. I got some hilarious emails, people that were just furious. So it's a, it's a roller coaster, but you know, I, I like roller coasters. Thank goodness. Thank goodness, (laughs) Jen. (laughs) Yeah, it works. It's, it's okay. And I have a basement now. So that's also what you learn. There's ups and downs, but your basement gets a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. So I do have enough to budget for a little bit of help. I can afford an audio engineer and I'm looking for a new assistant, but I've had an assistant. And, um, and so as soon as that, as long as that basement goes up, as soon as I know that like, okay, this, the, the valleys are not as deep as they used to be. That's when I can kind of get more long-term consistent help. So it's, it's still growing, but, um, like I said, it's working. So how did you get past that Valley from after the first year? So I guess it was your year two to where you are now, where you have at least not consistency. Cause I know you don't have consistency, but more of that higher basement. Like what did you do differently to go from, um, okay, I'm only making a couple hundred. This is not going to cut it to, all right, we're good. I don't think it was me. I think it was the show growing on its own. So, um, one thing that I did that was huge for the podcast is I was helping out two guys that were writing a book about Reddit marketing and they were really focused on ask me anything. And so they wanted to do one with an unknown person doing something cool. And they asked me if we set it all up, would you do an ask me anything and we can write about it in our book? And I said, sure. So I marked off a day in the calendar. I had never been on Reddit before. I didn't even know what it was. (laughs) And so I signed on, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning and at night at around 11 PM, I'm still there answering questions thinking that's completely normal not normal at all. What had happened without me understanding, because I always put my phone on airplane mode. So I didn't understand what was going on while I was doing this AMA. It rose not to the top of the AMAs, but to the top of Reddit. Oh, wow. That's huge. On Reddit. It was <laughs> huge. And when I turned my phone back on, it was just like, bing, 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 bing. All these people like, Jen, oh my God, I just saw you on Reddit. And my show had 30,000 downloads that day. So wow. That was a nice big peak. And from that, I got some media attention. Um, I was invited on Governor Jesse Ventura. He has a show on Aura TV. So I did get to do that appearance. 
And then other podcasters started contacting me. So as soon as I ended up on the radar of some people, that's when I was able to go on other podcasts. And as far as my marketing plan is concerned, it really is a media-based marketing plan because every time I go on a podcast, that's how people who listen to podcasts discover you. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of makes sense. You got to go where podcast listeners are. Well, there you go. Mm -hmm. So that experience and then being invited on all these other shows, that's what's made the podcast grow. So I guess as far as I'm concerned, I'm making the time to go on these, these shows, but I didn't really do anything. It was people found it, they liked it and then shared it from there. So it's just growing organically. Really. I've done very little marketing work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're going to make people feel bad, but I think you have, I, uh, you have, no, you've done a lot of work. The homework, I think reading the bills is probably a lot more work than most people put into their businesses. Well, but yeah. And that's, that's a really key thing too, is that, um, Rob Walsh is the vice president of Libsyn, which mm -hmm. is where a lot of us have our podcast hosted. Mm -hmm. And his advice since the very beginning to me and to everybody else is produce a great podcast and spend your time there instead of spending time marketing. Cause you can market brilliantly a bad podcast and people are not going to listen to it. So I listened to Rob and I put 90% of my time into the podcast. And like I said, like I do make the time when someone invites me on their show, like I go out there, but am I spending a lot of time writing newsletters and that type of stuff? Like, no, I'm, I'm producing a very difficult to produce podcast. And so that's really important too, is that like my product is selling itself. Mm -hmm. And so that I think is what's key. I, I do think that there is a certain amount of marketing that needs to be done in business, but if your product sucks, there's right. nothing that you can do. Right. My next question is about opportunity. So you've taken the opportunities that are given to you and they have happened because you have a show that resonates with people. But what other opportunities have come your way as a result of doing what you're doing? You've, you've mentioned some media. I know that um, you were at Podcast Movement. You spoke there. Mm -hmm. I didn't meet you there, but I knew you were there. And that's actually how I heard about your show because you were nominated oh, awesome. for an award there. So... I guess it all, I mean, you know, when you hear about things, you want to check them out. So that's, that's how I heard about your show. But what other opportunities, having your own show that resonates with your own audience, have you been able to get, um, other than the ones that you've mentioned, um, that have helped to grow your brand and your business at the end of the day? Well, I'm glad you brought up podcast movement because that was a big thing for me because it was my first time speaking on anything in front of people and it went really well. And so that was really cool to be considered a leader in this industry. Like I think as soon as you're speaking at podcast movement and not attending, like right. that's a, it's a different level. <laughs> yeah. And that was really fun. And I've actually been invited to keynote in February at PodFest. That's great. So I'm, I'm very excited. Thank you. Yeah. That one's going to be amazing. Um, I've also gotten to meet some people that I've just wanted to meet forever. And yeah. so just having a reason to be like, hi, I'm Jen. I do this thing that you've heard of. And so that's like, I went to Netroots Nation and there's a, a journalist named Max Blumenthal. And I've always liked his writing. Mm -hmm. He's writing in ways that the mainstream media hates him, you mm -hmm. know? So it's like, he's looking into stories that they don't want him looking into. I've just always liked the guy. And he was there. He did a panel. I didn't think he would be there. So I walked up to him and I said, hi, I'm Jen Briney. I've just been an admirer of your work forever. And he goes, oh, I know who you are. You do that podcast. <laughs> and I almost fell down. I was like, oh my God, like this is so cool. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's just stuff like that where it's, I'm becoming a part of something that I've been an outsider to for a long time and getting to meet people that I just really respect. And I, I've 
modeled my own ethics in reporting stuff on theirs. And so to actually be on their radar has been just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Oh, that's And then I also had a guy ask me if I wanted to write a book and I was like, I don't have time for that, but like, thank you. Maybe someday, but that's another thing that if money fell out from, you know, if, if I say something that really infuriates, infuriates my people and they all abandon the podcast, I can write a book. So it's like, it's also opening up career opportunities for me if I decide that I don't want to do this anymore, which isn't happening right now, but you know, never say never. What I thought was so cool when I was there at podcast movement and hearing all the people who were nominated and the people who won awards, it was usually just one or two people, right? You listen Mm -hmm. to these podcasts and they seem larger than life, but it's just a person like you working really hard on your hamster wheel to create something (laughs) that makes a difference. And that's what I saw is it wasn't like huge teams of people, just one or two people creating something out of their, maybe their closet and, um, and really resonating with others. Uh, so, (laughs) so as far as opportunity, clearly opportunity is, is coming your way and maybe more will come down the pike. What would you say in terms of advice for other people who maybe they don't have a show, maybe they don't have, um, the, the reach that they want just yet, but what would you suggest for other entrepreneurs who are trying to, um, to make headway, to create that brand, to be in that spot where they're getting these opportunities? What would you suggest for them in terms of advice? So I would advise that you pick what you do very carefully and not based on money. Because what I found is that I'm working, like it's right before the election. So this is crunch time for me. I've worked every day now for two weeks and I am very tired. But the thing is that I'm doing something that I really enjoy. So it doesn't feel like work. But if you're chasing something because you think that there's a whole, you know, like I was talking to a friend yesterday and she wants to learn how to code because she doesn't like her job right now. And she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go to class and classes and learn how to code. And I'm like, do you like coding? She's like, not really. But like, there's a lot of people that, you know, are looking for coders. And I was like, what do you like doing? Oh, I like sewing. I'm like, okay, then sew, you know, like find stuff that, that you can make that's a value to people, make a couple for free, but make sure that you're doing it for people that have friends that would like it too. set up a booth at a, at a, um, at a swap meet, you know, like get your name out there, have cards printed, but like you can do this because if you're successful, you're going to be very busy and you have to like what you're doing in those days or else you're going to burn out and stop. And so that's been key for me. Like I started congressional dish because I was watching C-SPAN for fun. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, like I knew it was something I was doing anyway. It was taking me away from the job job, you know, because I was trying to do both. And it was like, okay, why don't I do this thing that I would do if I wasn't paid? And so that's been key. And you'll find some kind of value that you can contribute to the world. And the internet makes it so that you don't need a big company to back you up. You can sell your products on Amazon. You can do your podcast for free. I started the whole thing. I bought some really good equipment, but I started the whole thing with $3,000, which was affordable, you know, and then that paid itself back in a couple of years. It's been profit ever since. So the internet makes it possible for us all to be entrepreneur entrepreneurs as long as you're doing something you love. Love it. Love it. How can people support you? How can they find you? How can they reach out to you, Jen? Well, like I said, I'm very accessible on Twitter. I'm obsessed with it. And so you can find me at Jen Briney, J-E-N-B-R-I-N-E-Y. 
And then my website is congressionaldish.com. And if you want to support it financially, you just go to the support page on congressionaldish.com. But you can also find every episode I've ever done, all of the show notes, and just kind of get an idea of what kind of information I'm I'm looking at there. So yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you for having for uh, talking to me and sharing all of the tips that you've shared. Before I go and before I say thank you, one question that I ask all the folks who come on our show is, what makes you a standout? I think what makes me a standout is I'm doing something that other people aren't. I found a hole. You know, I'm not smarter than anyone. I'm sure not talented, uh, any more talented than anybody else. Um, I, I'm a chatterbox that just found something that no one else was talking about. That's, you know, you just got to find that thing, you right. know, that thing that you're good at that no one else is. And I found right. my thing. That's that's the only difference. Anyone can do what I'm doing. It takes some time, but once you find it, it makes it all the worthwhile, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. It really does. Jen, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This is my pleasure. Want to catch the show notes for this and past episodes, as well as the perfect press release template? All of the standout shows are in one place at CherylTanMedia.com forward slash podcast. This is episode number 38. Did you enjoy the show? Please share it with someone who may benefit from it. Really, the best way to get this show in front of more listeners is to subscribe to and review the show on iTunes. Thank you in advance for your support. Until next time, I'm Cheryl Tan.